last few years, how's God been moving? How's God been blessing? How's he been leading you? What are some of the highlights you can share with us? Yeah, hi. First of all, I want to say thank you um, to all of you for all that you're doing as a church to partner with me and my ministry and all that the Lord is doing uh, in Estonia. And uh, thank you most of all for your prayer because that's so, so important. So thank you very much. Um, During the last uh, three years, I've been living and serving in Estonia. I have been working alongside a church that already exists there. It's called Kolgata Church, and it's an evangelical Christian church. I mostly work with the middle school age youth. Um, They have youth group on Friday nights, very similar to what we do here with Turbulence on Wednesday nights. And um, in addition to that, I've also um, been blessed with the cooking ministry that God just kind of, I don't know, planted. It wasn't my idea, (laughs) but it's an amazing one. And um, I would say one of the biggest blessings during the last um, several years um, I think it even started before I moved to Estonia. It was just um, seeing how God can uh, bless you and grow you in your faith as you just take that next step. Um, for me personally, uh, I lived right down the street here in Stapleton. I really liked my home. I really liked my job. I liked my friends a lot. And um, I had a dog, and she was pretty awesome too. And uh, I left all that behind. And that was really scary. Um, One of the first steps was to go through uh, missionary training, deputation, and go through all these intense interviews and classes. And um, the whole time I'm like, God, is this really what you want me to do? Because, like, it wasn't my idea. I really liked what I was already doing, and I was very comfortable with that. And um, so, like, one thing after another, I had to step out in faith, and I didn't know what the next thing was going to be all the time. So sometimes it was really scary. And uh, many times it was really scary. And uh, so after I went through the training, I had to quit my job, which I really liked. And I had gone to grad school a couple times to to get this job. And um, I thought I had worked so hard for it. And I earned this position, and now I'm quitting. (laughs) And so I gave up my job and my comfortable income, salary, all of that good stuff. And I didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, But I just kept praying about it and taking that next step. And then I started raising support, and at first that was kind of weird, going around uh, meeting with random strangers for dinner or whatever, and asking them for loads of money or whatever. <laughs> um, but um, it, it really grows you in your faith when you uh, listen to God and just take your next step, whatever it is he's calling you to do. And that's different for each of us, maybe. Um, and then after that, I was fully funded, and so... Um, I was like celebrating, but I was also kind of freaking out because that meant I could go. And so I moved to Estonia. I moved to a place where um, I didn't really have any friends. Um, I had a few youth that I had met during short-term trips in the summer youth camps, and but I definitely left all my family behind and basically everything I was familiar with. So basically, I, I laid down my life here. I left it, and I was in this whole new place. But it was amazing to see how God, each time I took like that next step of faith, I feel like he really blessed me, even though it was scary, because I didn't know what was going to happen next. And so that was really exciting for me, and that's been awesome. Amen. Isn't that good? I'll preach. <laughs> so you mentioned the cooking ministry, and I love what you're doing with the cooking ministry, and I've gotten to, to go to one of your events one time, but tell us a little bit about how that came together, some of the wins that are coming out of that, and how does the cooking ministry impact the gospel, right? Yeah. So, um, when I moved to Estonia, 
I had this idea or plan that I would be working with youth, and I knew that I would be partnering with this church that was already there. And um, like I mentioned before, I had some friends. They were teenagers, and I'm a little older than them, but uh, they were my friends, and they are my friends. And uh, so I was working together with them and serving in the church, and I knew that I needed to do something more. I had to have a plan, but I didn't know what I was going to do, but God had a plan. And so once I arrived there, there were so many people asking uh, for people to serve and people for to help in so many different ways. And, um, I believe that less than 2% of the people there actually have a relationship with Christ in Estonia. And so uh, there's just so much need there, but there are also many, many open doors. And so it's hard because you want to do everything, but it, you can't do it all. And so you just have to pick a few things and do them well. And, and just keep praying about it and asking God, like, what's your next step? And so um, I knew the first year I would focus on my language, learning the Estonian language. And uh, this is one of the hardest languages to learn for English speakers. Um, it's a lot harder than learning Spanish. I learned it's very difficult. And um, so I knew I had this plan where I'm going to serve with the church and I'm going to focus on learning the language. But after that, I didn't really know. And so all of a sudden, I was uh, in this foreign country. I had my own apartment. And um, there are a lot of funny stories that follow that, and I would love to share them with you uh, tonight at 6.30 at the dinner. So come back. They're funny stories. But um, crazy things happened to me when I was living on my own uh, right up right from the start. And so uh, I needed a lot of help when I got there. I had no idea what I was doing um, other than just trusting God. And so um, somehow this cooking ministry started. And uh, tomorrow or tonight I'll share more details about like exactly how it started. But uh, we, we meet once a week. And um, along with some of the girls from the youth camps that help lead it, um, we connect with other non-believers, and we just have young women. They're mostly high school and university age. Um, they come to my apartment once a week, and uh, we just shop, cook, eat together, and just sit around the table and fellowship and share. And it's pretty awesome to see what God does with that. And um, so just, um, I don't know, about a year ago, maybe a little longer than that, I was at a baptism for the church, and a new young woman showed up. She was a high school student. Uh, she was a foreign exchange student from Germany. And uh, one of the local Estonian women uh, came up to me and she said, I just met this girl and her name is Rika. She's a foreign exchange student from Germany. She's living with an Estonian host family. And the woman said, I just invited her to your cooking group. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> And so it wasn't exactly what I had in mind, but I mean, God always has a better plan. And so um, his ways are greater than ours. And so this girl came to the, the cooking group, and um, I was asking some of the other girls before she arrived, some of the other Estonian girls, um, the teenagers, like, do you know, have you met this girl yet? Have you talked with her? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, like, what do you know about her? And they were all excited because they said, she's a Christian. And they were, like, really excited because there aren't that many believers where uh, we live in Estonia. And um, I was like, oh, cool, that's great, you know. And so um, she came over, uh, this new young woman, Rika, and I just started asking her about her faith. And she kind of looked at me with, like, a blank face. And I said, oh, do you go to church in Germany? And she said, yeah. And I said, oh, okay. And so I was like, well, tell me a little bit about your relationship with Christ. And she was like, well, I don't really understand that, or I don't know much about that. 
And so we talked about it a little bit more, and she's like, yeah, I don't know, but I want to learn more about it. And so throughout the school year, she kept coming back to our cooking group, and um, it came to the point where the group was coming to, the, to an end, because we followed like, the semester, so the school year. And so um, at the end of spring, the group was going to be ending, and Rika was going to be going back to Germany. And so um, we had been watching uh, some movie, like The Case for Christ, and um, I can't remember the name of the other one. Insanity of God. The Insanity of God. And it really provoked a lot of questions with these girls, who some of them are believers and some of them aren't, and some of them are seeking and some of them, they're not. And so um, interesting conversations happen every week. And uh, so Rika, she would say, like at the end of the movies or at the end of our discussions, like, I don't know, like, I think God is real, but I don't know. And she'd say, like, I, I want him to be real, but I don't know if I can believe in him. And she would say, um, like, I think God is worth it, but I'm not really sure. And so she would, all these conversations would take place after we were done cooking and eating and stuff like that, and watching these movies and just talking and um, many late nights sitting up talking. And um, so she, the school year was coming to an end. Our group was going to end for this season. And she realized that she was counting down the weeks, and she's like, this means we only have, like, four more weeks or something like that. And I was like, wow, like, I wasn't even thinking that far ahead at that point. And she's like, can I come over, like, early, and we can just read through the Bible together or, or just talk and, and just, like, just you and me and uh, not a big group, but just have more, like, conversation. I was like, sure. So Rika came over, and I also invited one of the other um, youth who's a leader of the cooking group, a local Estonian. Um, and uh, we started reading through Romans, and we started talking about it. And, like, these light bulbs would go off in her head, and she would, like, say things, like, oh. Uh, like, she knew all these stories in the Bible. But as we read through Romans, she would say, like, I knew Jesus died on the cross, but I didn't know why. And so, like, she knew all this stuff, but, like, the connections were just, like, little things were missing. And so it was really cool to be able to process that with her and walk through it with her. And also have like local a local Estonian by my side who she is now learning um, she's now learning how to share her faith and see this process and maybe that's not the only way you can do it but it's one way and so um, before the end of the school year uh, Rika decided she wanted to accept Christ into her life and not just to know about him but to actually know him and so we prayed together around our dinner table where we have our cooking groups every week and she chose to accept Christ which is pretty awesome I think. Amen. Isn't that a great story? And now... And just last week, actually, I'm kind of excited about this, too. Rika messaged me, and uh, she was telling me about how she wants to get baptized. So she's planning on getting baptized in June. I think that's really exciting. And she's also serving um, in her church with the youth group. And her younger siblings are like in her small group uh, at the youth group in church. And I think it's just really cool to see how God is already... Um, working in her life. It's pretty amazing. Very amazing. So that's a great story. It's been happening over the last year. You told me one the other day that's pretty recent, just in the last few months. That was the way you tell it, too, is great. So <laughs> share with us this other great story. Okay. So I don't know about you guys, but do you ever feel like prompted to do something, but you're like, no, that's weird. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and then maybe sometimes like you go ahead and do it. And I don't know, it can turn out different ways. Or maybe you don't do it and you just have this feeling like, oh, I wish I would have done that. Like, I should have done it and I didn't. Or I don't know. So um, I was in the locker room uh, in Estonia after my water aerobics class. 
and um, I saw this young woman, and she just looked really like lonely, like she needed a friend, and um, she just looked like she needed hope. And I felt God telling me, like, go talk to her, and um, like I felt God telling me, like she needs a friend, like go talk to her. She needs hope. She needs a future. Um, and so. I kind of thought, like, no, that's weird. Like, we're in the locker room at this health club, and it's just, like, really uncomfortable. And, like, that's weird here, but where I live, it's even more weird because it's a very close culture. Um, it's kind of like you don't even exist there sometimes where people don't, like, show facial expressions. They don't look at you. You don't really say hi to strangers. There's very little trust. So people are very, very closed off. And basically, if you don't know someone, you just don't interact with them. And so that's challenging in itself. But here I am in a locker room, and I'm just learning the language. It's one of the hardest languages, as I said earlier, for English speakers to learn. And um, I didn't know if this girl spoke English, or I don't know. So I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to go to it. And then I felt kind of guilty. And so, and I'm a missionary. Like, it's my job. I'm supposed to do this. But in the locker room, come on, Lord. And so um, I thought, well, if she's still there, when I'm finished drying my hair, I'll go talk to her. But right now, I'm not going to do it. And so I went and I dried my hair, and I went back and like I got my coat on, and I was getting ready um, to like walk out of the locker room, and I was like, oh good, like she's gone, I don't have to do it. And I don't think that was really the right thing to be thinking at that time, but um, I was like, oh phew, I don't have to do it. It was like comfortable and easy, you know, and, but then I saw her out of the corner of my eye. She was she had her coat on and she was putting her scarf around her neck and she was getting ready to walk out of the locker room at the same time as me and so I was like, Okay, I'll do it. And so I went up to her and all in Estonian uh, in the Estonian language I introduced myself. I said, Hello, my name is Beth Ann. I'm from America. I'm from Colorado and um, I live in this neighborhood in in Tartu, Estonia and um, I have these cooking groups. And I just asked her, like, her name and her age. And she looked at me really funny. But she looked at me. That was amazing in itself. Like, she didn't just walk away. And so I'm like, oh, maybe this is going somewhere. And so she looked at me, and she told me her name and that she was 22 years old. And uh, I showed her on Facebook. I had an event. Um, So I showed her on my phone. I said, this is our cooking group. And um, I invited her to come. And and not in English, like, all in Estonian, which is pretty awesome, I think. And so... um, and then she said, yeah, she wanted to come, but I thought, like, maybe she's just being nice or whatever. And so I invited her to be my friend on Facebook, and I invited her to the event, but she didn't accept my friend request. And she didn't say that she was coming to the event, like, she didn't reply yet. And so I just thought, oh, well, like, I tried, I, feel, I felt good because I felt like I did what God was calling me to do, and it felt good. And I can't, you know, change that, whatever, I don't know, like, I can't control what she decides to do, I can just invite her. And so, um, then, a few nights later, like, really late at night, before the cooking group was meeting, the night before, she messaged me on Facebook, and it was all in Estonian, and it was, like, a long message, so I did have to use Google Translate a little bit, but the problem is Google Translate doesn't work that good for Estonian, because the language is so difficult, but I was able to reply, and uh, we had a little conversation going on Facebook Messenger, and so she asked if she could still come, and I said, yes, like, please come, join us. And so she came, and uh, that night the girls spoke mostly in Estonian, so I understood like bits and pieces, but not everything. And so after um, this new woman left, 
I asked the other girls, the other teenagers uh, that come to the cooking group, I said, what were you guys talking about? And they said that um, she's studying at the university and that she had just moved to um, our, our town, Tartu, um, to study physics and she doesn't have any friends. And I thought, oh wow, like that's awesome because God was prompting me, like she doesn't have any friends, go talk to her. And like, that was pretty cool, I thought. And so she's studying physics at the university there and she's the only female in her classes and she's studying science, it's like all guys, there's no females. And so it was really cool that, like I, I don't know, that was affirming for me because I felt God telling me, like go talk to her, she needs a friend, she's lonely. And that's exactly what she told these other girls in Estonia that night at the cooking group. And so then I thought, like, it would be amazing if she'd come back again next week, but the chances of that are pretty slim. So the next week came, and it was time for our cooking group. And um, before the cooking group, I had been praying, and I had been praying for her to come back, and um, I had been praying for an opportunity, an open door to share the gospel with her, to share the truth with her. But I also knew that she liked science a lot. And she was studying science at the university. And I'm not like a big science person. And um, so I had been praying like, God, please don't let it turn into a big uh, science debate. Like, please, God, don't put me in a position where I have to debate science with her um, as I'm sharing the gospel with her. And, and please just give me the open door to share with her. Give her a receptive heart. And I also invited my missionary teammates uh, who lives on the street from me. Um, to come to the cooking group, and she happens to be a science, she was a science teacher when she was here in Colorado before she was a missionary, and so she was like my backup, because it, it turned into a science debate, I had her to like help, and um, so um, we, I started uh, sharing with a little bit, like here and there with this young woman, about the gospel, and about what it means to have a relationship with Christ, and what uh, Jesus what his death on the cross like means for us, and the hope that we can have in him, and eternal salvation. And um, I could see, like she was starting to think about things in her head, and so our meatballs were cooking in the oven, and we're, I'm sitting down at the table with the, this young woman, and the other girls are like cutting up vegetables and whatever, and um, we're just sitting there talking. And then uh, I noticed like some of the others came down and sat down at the table and joined us too. And this new young woman just started like debating out loud about science, and uh, God, and science, and Jesus, and like the different beliefs, so I don't know what she, and she was like thinking in her head, like debating with herself in her head, and then saying things out loud, and then I was like, God, please, like no science debate, no science debate, and then all of a sudden, she just ended her own little conversation that she was having with herself with, well, I know many great scientists that are Christians, and it ended like that, and that was it, and so I was like, thank you, God, like no science debate, and she heard the gospel, and so, um, then at the end of the night, um, most of the girls left, and it was just me and, and one of the other Estonian girls and this new girl. And so we gave her a Bible, and um, we asked her if she had read it before, and she said no. And so we gave her a Bible, and the other girl, the Estonian girl, said in Estonian, like, don't start from the beginning. She was like, so we challenged her, and we said, you can, but it's a little bit hard. And so we challenged her to read through Romans, and I helped connect her um, with my other missionary teammates who have a church plant in Tartu, Estonia. And um, I also challenged one of the other youth that comes to the cooking group to, to disciple her and, and continue to work with her. So please pray for that and see what happens with that. Another great story out of the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, tell us a little bit about tonight. We are going to be back here at 630 and you get to hear more from Beth Ann. And I want you to know 
free food tonight. You know, you're welcome to bring a side dish to go along with some great smoked pulled pork that I've been working on yesterday. I was up at two o'clock this morning finishing it up. So so much. I love you. So come on back tonight. We got lots of food. Bring a side dish you want. If you don't have anything, don't bring it. Just come anyway. And uh, we'll meet here at 630 and eat, hear from Bethann, and then spend some great time praying with Bethann. But what can we expect to hear a little bit more tonight? Yeah. So what time are you guys moving back here tonight? 630. Yeah, you should come. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I would just love to share more with you. It's such a blessing to have the opportunity to share. Um, so at 630 tonight, I'll share more stories about some funny things that happened to me as I uh, moved to Estonia. But um, I forgot. What was your question, though? What are we going to hear tonight? Some vision for the tonight. future. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So tonight, I want to share with you about this vision that I feel God has given me. And I've been praying, like, God, like, if you want this to happen, like, make it happen. Or if you don't, then just squash it. Because sometimes I'm like, wow, this is really big. And I don't know. I'm just one person. But I know that he can do anything through us that he wants to do. And his ways are so much greater than ours. And so even with just this cooking group ministry and even just being a missionary, I never thought I was going to do this. Like, this was not my plan. Like, I was content living here and working here. And, like, he just really challenged me. And I understand, like, that's not for everyone to do. And um, not for everyone to move overseas or whatever. But I do believe, like, he calls all of us to do something and to love him and live for him. And so I challenge you to take your next step. But tonight, I would just love to share about this vision that I have um, that I feel God has given me to help, like, plant cooking group ministries all over Estonia and just to share the gospel, the truth, with youth all over Estonia. And it's a very um, spiritually and physically dark place. There aren't very many believers. Um, My teammates and I believe that about 1.5% of the people there actually know Christ. And so it's, it's a challenging place, especially with the culture that isn't very trusting because of their history and all that they've been through. And um, they recently, you know, regained their freedom. And the youth are like a whole new generation, and there's just so many opportunities to share with them. And so I would love to talk more about that. So please do come back tonight. I think it's going to be awesome. All right. Well, let's pray this morning, and then we're going to look at God's Word a little bit. Would you pray with me for Beth Ann? God, we're excited uh, for what you're doing uh, through Beth Ann and, and the work in Estonia. So many good things happening. We're excited to have another team going back this summer to minister as well. Uh, but God, would you continue to go in front of Beth Ann as she uh, raises the necessary support she needs to return, as she has this huge vision for what you want to do uh, through these ministries and, and opportunities to connect with uh, young ladies and other uh, students outside of the church in these uh, community groups of cooking and other opportunities as well. Uh, just continue to give her boldness and lead her like you led her to, to share with the young lady in the locker room. Continue to give her those moments where she has this undeniable prompting of your spirit to uh, give the gospel presentation or at least build a friendship that would lead to that. And as uh, she mentors other students to, to also take up the, the mantle of leadership in, in Estonia to, to reach their own people, that you would give her blessings in that as well. And just give us a great evening tonight as we spend more time on those things. And uh, you're great, and we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, friend. Beth Ann. All right. Can we open God's Word together for a little bit this morning? We're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And um, so you might want to turn there. We'll have it on the screen, too. But aren't you glad Beth Ann's serving in Estonia? Isn't it great what God's doing in her life? And uh, it's a challenge to me. It's a challenge to us. And to see her faith displayed like that, and we're just so excited that she's there and serving 
Um, and do please today, we'd love for you to come back tonight. If you can't come back tonight or even if you do, she's got a table in the back. Please stop by there on your way out today. We've got sign-up clipboards for more information or if you'd like to get on her, her newsletter list, she sends out an a e-newsletter. We'd love to keep you updated on that. It's a great way where you can read and be able to pray about her and her prayer card back there. Take one, put it on your fridge, leave one in your car, wherever you're going to see it. Remember to pray for Beth Ann. So I do encourage you to do that afterwards. All right, so my big idea today, I'm just going to give you the big idea right up front. And that is to serve somewhere. Okay? Serve somewhere. Now, Beth Ann's done an amazing thing, and I'm not, I don't expect that God's going to call all of us to pack up everything we're doing and move overseas and become a missionary somewhere. I don't expect that. But I do think he wants you to serve somewhere. And I do think that some of you could be called to do something similar to what Beth Ann is doing and be a missionary. The stats are that I've heard about 1% to 4% of a church's membership has that gift mix and that profile to be a missionary. So that means one to four of you in here could do it. Probably more. But let's go with that. One to four of you could do that. One to four of you could could step out and say, man, I think God could use me in a way like that. But I don't expect that God would call all of us to do that, to make that kind of jump in our life. But I do think that he wants you to serve somewhere. So how do we know this? We're going to look in Ephesians today. We're going to start in chapter, we're going to be in chapter 2, the first part of the, the chapter there. And in verses 1 through 9, uh, it gives us this great uh, treatise, this great example of, of what our salvation is and what it really meant. And uh, we spent a lot of time on verses 8 and 9, but sometimes we don't always extend it into verse 10. We're going to get all the way to verse 10 today. But let me read this passage for you and, and, just, and kind of set the stage here for where we're going. And it says in verse 1, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our own very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Setting the stage here of what it was like in our lives before we met Jesus, that we were dead in our sins, that we were dead. It wasn't anything we could do to earn our way to God. And it really it, it comes across very, very stark here. We were uh, in obedience to the devil, right? We were dead in our sin. But verse 4 is great. We have the great but God, right, in verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us what? Life. When he raised Christ from the dead, we were dead through Christ. We now have life. And it says that he is rich in mercy. We, we are rich in lots of other things, right? We are rich in, in wealth and our bank accounts and our vacation homes and all those things, you know, we, we look at as, as making us rich. God says he's rich in mercy. Mercy is that thing that, that God withholds from us that we really deserve. Because of our sin, because of our status here in verses 1 through 3, we deserved death. But mercy is what God withholds from us that we deserve. We deserve death, but he withholds us. God says, I'm rich in that. I'm really good at that. I'm really good at withholding what you deserve. And he says he also gives grace. And grace is that thing that God gives us that we don't deserve. We don't deserve the gift of Jesus. We don't deserve what he did for us. We, didn't, we don't deserve for someone to die for our sins. 
But that's the grace that he loves. God is rich in mercy. He is rich in grace. He's full of it. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. Had Easter a couple weeks ago, right? This is all of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection to give us life. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. God has a trophy shelf. The things that are on his trophy shelf is us. That's what he points to. To show his faithfulness, his grace, and his mercy. God can point to us in all future ages as example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness. We look at the people in the Bible, right? That God, he transformed their lives. And we see how can God take someone like Paul, who murdered Christians, who hated Christians, and radically transform his life to become really what we consider the first missionary who started so many churches throughout the region, right? And gave his life. How can God take someone like David, who was a murderer and adulterer, and make him a man after God's own heart? We see the transformation that God can make in people through his grace and his mercy. And we are, we are part of that. So we are examples of his incredible wealth and grace and kindness toward us, as shown as all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. So God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Let's start right here. It is a gift from God. When you get a gift, right, it's not because you deserve it, it's because it's a gift. And very, very really here in this, in this passage, he shows us that our salvation is a gift. And it actually goes on to say in verse 9 there um, that salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Salvation is not a reward for the things we have done. It is a gift from God. You can't do enough to earn it. You can't go to church enough to do it. You can't be a missionary long enough to earn it. It is a gift from God through the work of his son Jesus on the cross. And it's very important that we make this distinction here because we are going to talk about what good works are. So God has saved us by his grace. When you believe, we can't take credit for it. It is his gift. Let's go to verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. It is a gift. And out of that salvation, our good works flow. Right? So good works are not to receive salvation. Good works are because we have salvation. I'll make that real clear. We, we do think that believers should have good works in their lives, but it's not to earn the salvation that God has for us. It's because of the salvation that God has given us. And we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. You know, anytime I hear the word masterpiece, and I love this illustration here, another translation says workmanship, but I love the word masterpiece. I think of the word masterpiece, you think of a, you know, an art gallery, right? You think of the Mona Lisa. Beautiful work of art. Everyone on the planet would consider it a masterpiece. And I could probably recreate the Mona Lisa. It might look like a two-year-old did it, but I could, I could draw you something. wouldn't be very good. But let's say I could replicate it stroke for stroke and recreate that masterpiece as a replica. Would it, would it be worth as much? No. 
Because it's not touched by the master. It's not touched by Da Vinci. Right. And the reason there's so much value in that painting is because of who painted that and what it represented. And it is a masterpiece. God looks at us as his masterpiece. Not just because of who we are in his creation, we're made in the image of God, but because of the salvation that he's given us. He's saying, look what I did. Look what I did for that person. Look how I transformed their life. And the fingerprints of God are all over us, and he considers us his masterpiece. Some of you sitting here today may not feel like a masterpiece. You might feel like a master mess. But in God's eyes, we're his trophy. He loved us so much. He gave everything for us to give us that salvation. We are his masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus for a purpose. So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So we have been saved and rescued and we've been made anew. We've been created as a masterpiece. But why? But why? To do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. He had plans for you before you ever knew you had plans. Before you were the twinkle in your mother's eye, right? Your father's eye. He had plans for you. So it's because of our salvation that now we can live in this purpose. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do those things. Before our salvation, we were dead, right? But now we have life anew in Jesus. Before we could not, but through the work of Jesus, he changed all that, and now we can. This is a simple illustration, but it helps me. A caterpillar was designed to fly. But not until it goes through a massive transformation. And after that caterpillar quits chewing on all the leaves in my garden, goes through his cocoon and becomes a butterfly, then he can fulfill his design to fly. Right? Before Christ, we could never fulfill our purpose in life because we'd never been transformed. We were dead. We didn't have that life. Jesus changed all that through the work of Jesus, gives us life, gives us the ability to fly, to be transformed. Yet some of us have been transformed and we're still crawling around on the ground instead of doing the things that God has designed for us to do. You're still crawling instead of flying after your transformation. And as recipients of his grace and his mercy and his salvation, we have been given a purpose. And our salvation, our transformation was not merely to be a fire escape from hell, right? We like that part. We like that we have the home in heaven but not only does the gospel give us life eternal, it also gives us abundant life here on earth. And there's a purpose for us to fulfill and to do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. So much that God has prepared and planned for us. Matthew 5, uh, 15 and 16, another illustration of this on the screen. Or you can turn there, Matthew chapter 5. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. If you're just going to put it under a basket, why light it, right? Because you're going to hide the purpose of the light. We don't know much about candles these days because we all have you know, cell phones with cameras on them and lights like that. But you don't light a candle to just cover it up. That doesn't make any sense. Instead, a lamp is what? It's placed on a stand. It's given it a, a, a prominent place so it can do what it's supposed to do, which is to give light to the house, to give light to our path, to illuminate the darkness. In the same way, your good deeds shine out for all to see, 
so that everyone will praise you. Wait, no, that's not what it says. So everyone will praise your heavenly father. So we haven't been saved. We haven't been given this great salvation to then hide it from the world. We've been given this great salvation so that it can be on display for the world to see what God can do in someone's life. And if he can transform me, he can transform you. Some of you have some great stories of transformation in your life. And if people saw you from 20 years ago to see you now, that might help them to see who God really is. See that kind of transformation in someone's life. But our light is not to be hid. We have good deeds that will shine out so that everyone else can see and praise our Heavenly Father. There is purpose in the good things that He has called us to do. First Peter 2.12 Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Anybody have one? I would guess we all probably do. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Why? Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. It's possible that because the light you display to your neighbors, it will help them to understand who God is. And that then they would have the opportunity to experience God's grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, the richness of who he is. And be created as a masterpiece so that they too can honor God with their lives. You see, when we serve somewhere, there's three things I think that happen, probably more. We demonstrate our salvation. We demonstrate our salvation. We show people who God is and what he can do in our lives. Saying that we open up doors of relationships. By serving others, we open up doors of relationship. You know the old song, people don't care how much you know to know how much you care, right? And when we're able to extend our hands and serve selflessly the people around us, it demonstrates who God is. God is a giver. When we are givers, we demonstrate who God is. God loves people. When we love people, we demonstrate who God is. When we show kindness to people, God is full of kindness. We show people what kindness looks like from God. When we extend mercy, we help them to see who God is. When we serve somewhere, we open up doors of relationship. And when we serve somewhere, we reveal God to others. We help others see who this great and glorious God is that can transform our lives. And so we love the salvation part. We love the free gift. And now because of that, he says, go live in the good works that I have planned for you long ago. He's wonderfully saved us. And he has made us a masterpiece and given us purpose. Now serve somewhere. Serve somewhere. Go do the things that he has planned for your life. That you may point others to Christ. That's why Beth Ann's serving in Estonia. So that she can help point others to to Christ. I know many of you serve in our church and you have the attitude of if I serve here it helps set the stage for people to hear about Jesus. We love that about you. We love that about our church. There's a great quote I ran across this week from David Platt. It says this, "The message of biblical Christianity is not God loves me period. As if we were the object of our own faith. The message of biblical Christianity is God loves me so that I might make him His ways, his salvation, his glory, his greatness known among the nations. God is the object of our faith and Christianity centers around him, not me. And get this, we are not the end of the gospel. God is. 
We are not the end of the gospel. God is. And what that means is God has saved you for a purpose. To go serve somewhere. And use those acts of service to point people to who Jesus is. Because when we serve somewhere, we demonstrate our salvation. We open doors of relationship. We're able to communicate and reveal God to others. Because God has planned for this long ago. That we would walk in those ways that he has prepared for us. We are not the end of the gospel. God is. So I want to give you some quick next steps today. And I'm going to start with the hardest one. Is that okay? I'm going to start with the hardest one. Would you pray a dangerous prayer and ask God if he might be calling you to a life of ministry in the gospel? Could you be the next missionary that Stapleton Church sends out? Could you be the next pastor that we send out? Could you be a church planter, a Bible translator, a youth pastor, a children's worker? Someone that says, I can go put my whole life into serving the gospel, serving God with my life. That's a big ask. One to four percent of you could do it. Maybe more. But would you pray that dangerous prayer? When we went to, um, I was in Mexico last week on a vision trip. And a vision trip isn't where we necessarily go and try to get a lot of work done. We're trying to help others see the opportunities that are there. So we had several pastors that came down and we went to, to see an area in Mexico called the Bajio region. And in missiological terms, we call it the circle of silence in Mexico. Because while much of Mexico has a pretty good representation of the church, in the circle of silence in this six-state region in the Bajio, it's like 1% to 2% evangelical. It's much like Estonia. But it's, instead of being atheist, it gets highly uh, steeped in idolatry. That is what keeps them captive. And so very low percentage of Christians, very low percentage of churches. And so as Converge, we're trying to ignite an initiative in the Bahio region to, to see more churches planted. So we, we went around, we met with some missionaries that are working there, some pastors that are serving in some really hard places and could just teach us so much. And just seeing what God was doing there and how we could come alongside that. And so in these conversations, we're trying to figure out how our churches back in the States could maybe help and invest in what's going on in the Bahio to see a church planning movement started. So I'm taking lots of notes. I'm writing things down and I'm asking, you know, do you need more short term teams to come down? Yeah, you know, those are good. But like, well, is it it finances or there's some financial hurdles that need to be crossed that, you know, that the church could. Well, you know, those we always enjoy finances. That's really not what 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 is the number one thing that you need? And he says workers. We people. That would come and would give their lives to reach people that don't have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. That are steeped in, literally they worship three dolls down there. D-O-L-L-S, dolls. It's crazy. We think of idolatry here as, you know, something maybe that takes the place of God in our life. This is literal physical worshiping of of objects in Mexico. And it it has for generations trapped people into a false sense of who God is. He says we need workers. (laughs) And so I'm I'm taking notes and writing this down and okay, what kind of workers do you need? Do you need seminary trained guys? Do you need uh, people who've been through Bible college? Do you need, you know, uh, pastors, people that really fluent in Spanish? No, no, we can fix all that. We just need people that would come. With whatever gift is in their hand. 
they're a mechanic, they could come and, and, and do mechanic work in a community and use that as a platform to, to get to know other people and to use that to disciple people that would make more disciples, that we could plant churches out of that. But we just need people to come live in the community and do what they do to rub shoulders and have a reason to be here and use that platform to share the gospel. Very much the same as what Beth Ann's doing with a cooking ministry. One of the reasons that we think this is a target area where we could put an English school and use that as a platform to bring in other workers to, where people can just through the ability, if they have an English, to teach other people English, we could use that as a platform to make disciples, to make more disciples that we could plant churches. You know, God said to Moses, what is in your hand? I can use that. So when we use that big word, missionary, we're not... Think of it in a little bit smaller context. What is in your hand? You can use that. And you can use that overseas. Or you can use it in your own backyard. You could use it in your place of business. You can use it in your community. You can use it in your family. What has God given you in your hand? What does that look like? That looks like processing with God. Okay, God, what are my experiences in life? What do I know? What am I good at? What am I educated in? Where do I have passion? How does all that line up to be a way that points other people to Jesus? You can do that here. You can do that there. But we need workers. We need workers that are willing to go. Maybe you could pray that dangerous prayer. Number two, if you're not serving somewhere yet, we have a lot of people that serve here. If you're not serving somewhere yet, can I encourage you to serve somewhere? Are you living out your salvation by doing the good things that God has planned for you? Well, you could and you should. It's what God wants for your life. And we would love to walk alongside you and help you connect with that. Help you try to figure that out. I'm not sure if Beth Ann said it in our service, but in the first service she said, you know, when I went to Estonia, I wasn't sure exactly what opportunity I was going to connect with. I knew it was going to be involved with youth, um, but I wasn't quite sure. But there were lots of opportunities. And this is where, you know, where she ended up moving. But it was almost like you could take a dart and throw it at a board and any of them would work. There's so much to be done. So don't belabor over it too long. Just get involved. Serve somewhere. There's lots of ways we can do that in our church, in our families, in our community. There's so many ministries throughout Denver in this area. There's places for you to get together, connect, to serve people, to help point them to Jesus. Use what is in your hand and in your heart to serve. Because God has already gone before you and made this possible. He saved you so that you could help serve people and show them Jesus. So the opportunities are boundless. We'd love to help you walk through that. I don't know if it's on the connection card or whatever, but drop an email somewhere. Talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors, one of the staff. If you want to have a conversation like that, where could I serve? We'd love to walk with you on that. And number three, if you are serving somewhere, and I know so many of you are, if you are serving somewhere, remember the purpose of your serving to point people to Jesus. You are not the end of the gospel. God is. And so as we greet, as we work in the cafe, as we set up chairs, as we lead worship, as we uh, hand out communion, as we work in children's ministry, as we work in in, uh, youth ministry, all the various places that we're working, the point is to point people to Jesus. So as you're shaking hands, you're like, what am I doing out here shaking hands today? You're helping set the stage that's going to point people to Jesus. Having that friendly handshake and smile on the way in may take down a lot of barriers that have been building up in that 10-minute drive here. All of it has value. All of it has value to help point people to Jesus. So look at the things that you're doing in serving and remember to refocus. The reason I'm doing this is because I want to be the light. I want to help point people to Jesus. I want to serve 
in the way that God has shaped me and designed me, the masterpiece that he's made me to be, so that I can show someone else how they can be a masterpiece in God's eyes and have the great gift of salvation and serve. So take some time to refocus in the areas that you serve. Can we pray together? We're going to have a time of communion here in a few moments as the worship team comes up. And I just want to pray over us today as we consider some of these things. God, this has been a good time together. And I thank you so much for a wonderful church that, that gets it, that wants to reach its community, that wants to reach the world, that, that has people that are active and engaged. And uh, there's, there's a lot of beauty in it. And uh, we thank you for this challenge. And we love the salvation that you've given us. We love the fact that we have a home in heaven. We have a God that loves us. God, help us not to be the end of that message. But through our serving somewhere, through our giving of our lives to other people, through acts of service, acts of kindness, the opening of our mouth to share the gospel, by serving somewhere, we can help point other people to Jesus. And God, you might be calling the next Beth Ann out of our, our congregation to go serve somewhere overseas in a dark place, in Estonia, in the Bahio, in Thailand, in Japan. There are so many places where the gospel has such a small root. We'd love to see that grow. We'd love to see the unreached people of the world reached. So if you're stirring that in someone's heart, would you just continue to to bring uh, clarity to that question? Do you bring people into their lives to mentor them in that question? Show them how it could be done. And as Beth Ann did, just take each step of faith one by one. But that all of us, God, that we would serve somewhere. That we would help show Jesus through our acts of service and the good things that you had planned for us long ago. God bless us in this time as we move into communion and worship as we wrap up our service. You are good. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.